On this very special episode of NC Raw, I welcome Jeff Hunsucker to the table. Jeff is a person in long-term recovery. He's also the Northwest Regional Vice President for the Addiction Professionals of North Carolina. He currently works as the Program Manager for Recovery Ventures Corporation, and he was doing a presentation over at Western Carolina University um, for APNC, and so I invited him to come meet with me before the presentation. We sat down on a Friday morning and had an awesome conversation about his life, his goals. We talked about advocacy, collegiate recovery, all kinds of stuff. It was a an awesome conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to sitting down with him again in the future and potentially working with him on some other adventures. So enough of me rambling. Let's give it up for my man, Mr. Jeff Hunsucker. Living a miracle, standing divisible, connected to God and my physical essence of my spiritual presence is visible. Totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal. Used to be a criminal, living so minimal, but things have changed in my life. Is going through different intervals, finding that balance is significantly difficult. Timing is everything, so my timing is critical. Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable. It's why I stand before you impeccably, so presentable. I give respect to you, know that I am respectable. I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the rival expected to be exceptional, and I'm a grown man, handle business like a professional. I am incredible, the unconventional, and you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unconventional. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Ready, set, go. Jeff Hunsucker. 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 Jeff Hunsucker. Welcome to NC Raw, brother. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to come and sit down with us on a cold, little wet, frozen morning before you're going to do a presentation today. I'm not presenting. You're not uh, presenting. It's an, uh, I organized the event. We have some other pr- fantastic presenters, much more talented than myself, coming in to do some presentations. You're doing exactly what you said that you weren't going to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we're doing a training over at Western Carolina this morning um, on tobacco and prevention um, for APNC. Who's invited? Anybody, Anybody is invited. Students, faculty, members of the public um, are invited. We do for continuing education credit for professionals there is usually a charge unless there is a unless they're an APNC member then it's free gotcha that's really cool man I think some definitely something that's much needed what you mentioned APNC mm-hmm. what's your role with APNC like what cool. what do you do um so I got started oh, with APNC. and let's back it up too yeah. and like what is APNC for okay. like somebody that might not so APNC is addiction professionals of North Carolina um 
it's been a really enriching experience for me as a newer person in in the field of you know working in addictions and recovery. Um, I was approached by a former board member who was stepping down, and he said, "You want to be on the board?" and like sure and so they had a vote they accepted me on the board to take his spot and uh it's been it's been a ride uh it's taught me a lot about interacting into my community and statewide and and uh being a part of the movement yeah was that kind of a surprise to have him approach you yeah it was it was it was and 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 humbling just just like when you approached me to to do this podcast i mean it's super humbling uh it's an honor to do it. And, and I feel like in my recovery, it's for me to turn down something like that, you know, it just doesn't go along with my values for Mm -hmm. my own recovery. If I can do something to help, then I will. Um, even if I didn't feel like I was worthy of the task at the time, uh, I knew that if I just jumped in that good things would happen. Yeah. Um, what do you, so like, what's that role? Like what kind of things do they have you doing? What? Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm a, a volunteer board member. Um, and APNC is a, is an organization that provides training, um, education, advocacy for addiction professionals and for, you know, addiction field. And so my role is Northwestern regional vice president, which that means that quarterly, um, I'm helping to organize trainings for professionals in our area. Like what's going down today? Yep. Yep. Okay. And I don't necessarily present it those, but I may secure the building and, and get with presenters that will come in and present some information and, you know, do the, uh, organization and registration and a lot of the behind the, the scenes stuff. Yep. yep. Throwing okay. the promotions out there on Facebook. So yeah. Yeah. Really working it. What, um, How'd you get to this point, man? Like you're. Wow. Uh, how far back you want to go? <laughs> how much time do we have? <clears throat> we got, we got. <laughs> um, so to get to this point, um, I guess I, I, I need to give a little backstory then. Um, so I was a person who struggled with substance use for about 17 years. Um, I, I didn't know the whole 17 years that I was struggling with substance use. Hindsight's pretty much 2020. Um, when, when I look back, yeah. I could see um, I lived a lot of years in, in what people might call denial. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I struggled. I, I found recovery kind of, you know, I kind of had a, one of those intervention things happen with my family, and they were like, you go to recovery. You go to meetings. Like, you're going to go or 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 we're going to cut you off. And so how old were you at that time? Oh, I was about 20. Let's see. That was 2002. I was about 27. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, I kind of still saw myself as different from those people. And, uh, but when I went the first meeting I went to 12 step meeting, I sat down I started hearing people talk and tell their story, and I think I probably cried about 45 minutes of that meeting. I was like, oh, crap, this is me. This is exactly who I am. Uh, I do belong here. So it made sense, that first meeting. And so got got involved. Um, Got pretty confident, got a little less involved, and uh, (laughs) stepped away for a while. Uh, And so that, that was my story for about eight years, a little bit in and then a little bit out. 
and then a little bit in, a little bit out, um, some ups and downs and return to use and things like that. And uh, 2010, somebody reached out to my family and said, there's this place that uh, I think might be good for Jeff. Um, it was a two-year therapeutic community, really uh, structured, um, had some legal issues that were pending. And um, I thought, you know what, why not? Uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't wake up one day and go, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to go live somewhere for two years. And, uh, but I did it and, uh, and, and it, it changed my life. It did. It, uh, it turned, uh, it turned not just my head around, but my heart too. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and gave me the opportunity to really grow. Where were you, where are you originally from? Originally from Catawba County, Hickory, okay. Claremont is the little bitty town in Catawba County that I, I grew up in. And where was the two-year program? In uh, the men's facilities in Old, Old Fort. So the, the program's called Recovery Ventures Corporation. Um, they've been in operation since 2002. Uh, I graduated that program. Today I work for that program as a therapist. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really a... a awesome experience to be able to give back to. so many of these full circle moments yeah. like every time yeah. like somebody comes to the table it's there's another one yeah uh, i love that man um you in talking on monday night with brandon mm -hmm. and ricky mm -hmm. one of the the main um co the the common theme that kept coming up was the transition and mm. the transition from um being in the military to <clears throat> a civilian and kind of what that process, like a lot of the work that those guys are doing yeah. is in that field. And we kind of went down the rabbit hole talking about how going from that structured two year program where you have all these things in place to, you know, being a person in long-term recovery and what's next, what do you do when you get out of there? What was yeah. the transition like for you? Like, um, the transition for me was, was long, um, because I stayed on as a, as a staff member. So you were hired. I was hired, um, you know, as a staff member. And when I graduated, I was working for the program. That's like a tech? As a tech. Yeah. 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 Still living in the community, mm -hmm. uh, working as a tech, working my way into, uh, peer support and CSAC certifications and, and that kind of stuff. Is that a part of the program to try to? For... For some, yeah, uh, you know, for, for the right, for some, the right ones, or the yeah, ones that, or the ones that that want to pursue mm -hmm. that, it, yeah, sure, it can be. Um, but for so for me, the transition wasn't really a transition yeah. <laughs> out into the community. <laughs> my transition came four years uh, into my recovery mm -hmm. when I came to a kind of a crossroads with my education, and I had to step out, and so. For several months, I moved into one of their transitional houses because I was no longer working there. I took another job, and I was doing classes at night. Um, so I, I went from uh, community college to Mars Hill doing uh, their adult graduate study program. And so my transition was I went to a bunch of meetings um, and got a home group and got involved. And that was really awesome because by the time I moved out into my own place, um, 
I had a, another support group because, you know, I was li- when I moved out, I was living a pretty good distance from the facility where I had worked and where I had created a lot of relationships. So it was tough to get back there yeah. um, on a regular basis. So um, being able to create that community out in the community was essential for me. Mm-hmm. Did you find it was it difficult? Were there challenges? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I remember chairing a meeting one night and just like going, Hey, does anybody else feel like they're super out of place here? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, like, like they just, you know, I I just have always had that feeling of just not fitting in, even though from the outside, I think it might've looked like I was fitting in, but in here I have that, that hard time. And, you know, when people with 15 and 20 years of recovery say, yeah, I feel like that still sometimes too what what is it about that feeling because oh. that's it's that's all of us yeah that's us and like i mean um i did an interview with a professor here last week he's writing a book and like that was the that was what i kept honing in on is what led me down that path is i felt like i didn't fit in but i had a ton of friends i had played sports i was active in sports like great family at home like i it was all in here yeah yeah, same and it here. wasn't out there, and like I didn't know how to communicate <clears throat> that to anybody. I didn't know how to just get those words out, yeah. you know. Um, and that's something that I often like reflect on. Like why, like why, why do we feel like we don't fit in? I don't know because I have this deep need for connection to yeah. other people, and I think that's innate in in most all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have connection. Yeah. We just don't recognize it? Maybe we're not. I don't know. Uh, I think sometimes there's moments of connection, but being a, for me, kind of when I, when I separate physically, sometimes that, that deep, deeper feeling of connection doesn't stay with me as much, mm-hmm. or I question it. Is it, and you so, question the authenticity of it? Well, or? I, I don't know. I question, uh, I just question whether I fit in in places, yeah. you know, um, just like getting involved with APNC or mm-hmm. or going to my first conference uh, when I was, you know, going after that CSAC and all mm-hmm. these folks were in the field for 30 years. Do I even belong here? These people know all this stuff and I know mm-hmm. nothing. And, you know, so I had to start somewhere, though. Uh, and and learning to fit in is is difficult. It's the process. Yeah. Um, at what point <clears throat> did you realize and have interest in being more of service professionally, like being taken on that role, putting on that hat and not just doing it through your fellowship? Yeah. So I have to go back a little bit before the last time that I got uh, into recovery Another time in my life, uh, around 2008-9, uh, I got the peer support training, so I thought I had some interest in doing it. Um, I worked a job doing peer support for about six months. I ended up relapsing. I didn't take mm-hmm. care of myself very well. Um, and so when I, after I relapsed and I went through that period of time, and that was right before I went to Recovery Ventures, um, I had felt like I wanted to do that. But then I lost it and had to do something else and struggled for a while. And so when I came to Recovery Ventures, I didn't know what I wanted. I just kind of said, I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. I'm just going to put the effort in this time. And I 
got some opportunities. I got an opportunity to help with doing intake coordination there um, and helping newer guys get come in the program while I was in the program and uh, and taking on a leadership role within that community was instrumental in helping me to really solidify that inner need to, mm-hmm. to help in a professional way. Is that type of role, was that type of role something new to you? <clears throat> like, Oh yeah. Stepping up and be, being a true leader and kind of. Yeah. I kind of felt like, you know, and I played sports in high school and I was vocal and team captain mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff on, on the football team and basketball team. But, and I was more of the vocal leader on the court uh, or on the field. Um, but at the same time in my personal life, I never took that leadership role mm-hmm. um, in those structured environments. It was really easy for me to do that. Yeah. I felt that felt natural to me, but mm-hmm. In my personal life and personal relationships, I always kind of deferred the leadership to someone else. Mm-hmm. And so finding uh, that strength um, or somebody else really pointing it out and encouraging that strength, I don't think I found it. I think other people really kind of pushed me to, uh, to stretch myself a bit. <laughs> and so, so I did, and, uh, and it paid off. Yeah. yeah. What about when you <clears throat> decided to take it a step further and get into school? Yeah, so as I graduated, I knew, you know, I had been to college or back to school three different times <laughs> so, for, like, for different things. Yeah, so. <laughs> so started out, I wanted to do like sports medicine, mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's where my addiction really began was at, at East Carolina University in 1993 and, you know, just kind of came home with this new habit and a terrible GPA, and uh, and so... Went to community college there, didn't really do very well. Went back to community college, did really well, and had a relapse during a period of recovery and uh, and had to drop out there. And these were all different. I was going to do business, and I was going to do furniture management. And then uh, this last time, I really wanted to take it slow. I wanted to really focus on me and my recovery. And so I started out with one class in a semester and um, knew that I was going to do social work at this point. Um because I had two years of recovery by the time I went to school and I was working at a program. And so I knew kind of the, that I had thought it out and gotten some support on yeah. where to go. And so was it difficult being a non-traditional student and a person in long-term recovery, walking back into the classroom, pursuing um, something new? It was different, but it was actually easier. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at Mars Hills? Yeah, well, I started at AB Tech. Okay. And those classes, those were fine. Um, I didn't feel different, but mm-hmm. being a non-traditional student, I actually went into the adult and graduate studies program at Mars Hill, so a lot of my classmates mm-hmm. were were older, um, or, or not older, but I think I was one of the oldest in, in the group, but uh, we all had some experience in life, and um, so I was surrounded by people with some experience. But I think that my experiences in addiction, in recovery, and, and and professionally at the time, working really prepared me for school. Yeah. Um, I, I, this time around, I, I excelled. And yeah. uh, so that was... I can totally relate to that. Yeah. Like the, the hardest part about <clears throat> going back was just walking through the door that, mm-hmm. that first day. Um, all the way from like my classmates to the faculty and staff and um, like... If I was, you know, I do, I 
I also wear multiple hats and doing this and working part time and different things. But if I like was committed to like being strictly a full time student, mm -hmm. it's kind of it's not difficult. It's easy. <clears throat> it's not as challenge. I expected more cha more of a challenge. Like yeah. Before I walked through the door, I expected it to be more challenging, and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, man, gosh, you know, like. Well, and I think some of my classmates that came from other fields into mm -hmm. social work had more of a challenge mm -hmm. than I did um, because I had personal experience yeah. and some professional experience in the field by that time. It was, uh, you know, there was a, a big difference because um, when I entered the social work program, I was four years in recovery and mm -hmm. had been working in the field for a while. And, and you know, so I had some experience of relating theory and mm -hmm. that stuff to real to life. It, yeah. yeah. Um, when you initially <clears throat> went back and did you kind of keep your recovery and your schooling separate? Cause we do a lot of stuff with like the collegiate recovery communities. Nah. Like was there recovery <laughs> stuff on campus? I, is, there was know, no like, recovery stuff on campus, but I was telling anybody that would listen okay. about Just, my experience yeah. in recovery. <laughs> it was like, you know, that was a huge part of uh -huh. why I got to school and, and it was a huge part of why I chose social work and why I chose to be in this field. So owned it. I thought it was really important for me to give the folks who didn't have that experience in my program mm -hmm. and the faculty and staff who didn't necessarily have personal experience with recovery, a perspective mm -hmm. of someone who is in recovery and is identifying in recovery, you know, being kind of out. So let me ask you this in saying, <clears throat> in saying all that, um, one of the most controversial topics that always comes up on this show, um, and everywhere you, everywhere you go in recovery communities is the conversation around stigma. Yeah. And I, in my story, in my experience, <clears throat> I did exactly what you did. And I completely owned it, um, both on campus and in my personal life, like on the street. Like if, yeah. if you bump into me in Walmart, and we have a five-minute conversation, it's going to be very clear that I'm a person in long-term recovery. Yeah. Like, that's just, that is who I am. Um, so I haven't experienced very many um, effects of the stigma conversation yeah. at all. Like, it's somewhat foreign to me almost because I've, like, been so open and so mm -hmm. um, forthcoming about it. It, would you say that your experience is similar or is there? <clears throat> I would say yes, similar. Um, because the doors that, that I wanted open were still opened for me. Um, and stigma has not really affected my day-to-day -day per se. Um, in my education, in my profession, I think, I, you know, my profession, you know, working in recovery, it's, uh, it's very accepted. And so I'm kind of insulated from some of that stuff. Um, but I will say stigma still affected me in the legal system. Um, stigma, so a little personal side story, currently my wife and I are, um, are, looking into possibly doing foster parenting mm -hmm. and uh 
And so with some some legal history, not not a lot, but some legal history back in the day that uh, that was related to my addiction, there's certainly some hoops I'm going to have to jump through in order to get approved. I feel like we can do that. But, you know, just feeling that stigma when they look at the paper rather than the person, it's uh, it, it kind of some some residual effects. Yeah. Yeah. That that, that just yeah, it hurts a little bit. Um, in the beginning, and I get, a, you know, my initial response is getting defensive. And uh, but then again, you know, it's an opportunity to show that we do recover. It is the expectation. It's not the exception. Like we can be productive citizens and who better to show empathy to a biological parent and the child of a biological parent than someone who's been there. Yeah. And so I think it's an opportunity for education for all of us. Um, how, how do you approach somebody at Recovery <clears throat> Ventures, um, the newcomer, you know, a client, and kind of relay that same type of message, somebody who's carrying a lot of guilt and carrying yeah. a lot of shame? How do you teach them to think the way that you do? Well, uh, one, it's encouraging them that, that they matter, you know, letting them know, hey, you matter. And just because your experiences up till now have said one thing, that is not who you are. That's those are direct effects of having a chronic illness. And there is an answer to your chronic illness. And when that answer is implemented and you take responsibility for being a part of that, then many of those things start to subside. And uh, and, and then giving them the time. You know, for me, it was about six months before I could actually look myself in the eye when I was brushing my teeth. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It took a while for that guilt and shame to go away. But I saw other people and, you know, just wanted to model that for other people is what I want to do now. Um, and let them know. Um, it's possible. It's coming. Just stay the course. Would you say that that was really what <clears throat> changed in your multiple kind of attempts at recovery was taking that responsibility yeah yeah I I wanted to clean up and I wanted to look good and I wanted everybody else to notice how well I did and uh you know behaviorally what it wasn't a problem to take some time a month or two or three to be good you know (laughs) (laughs) that was pretty that Mm -hmm. that wasn't too hard um what was difficult was to change my desires what I want and to reconcile my values with my behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if, you know, my family and my daughter, my, my mom, my sisters, you know, my family was actually important to me, then I needed to figure out a way to behave in accordance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so kind of bringing those two things together was really key for me and, and kind of trying to keep that centered all the time. Yeah. Um. I went went through the same thing. It was like I could, you know, be good yeah. for the 12 months that my probation officer required <laughs> yeah. me to. Yeah. But as soon as he, I was off the paper, it was right back to it. And there was never any ownership, never any sense of responsibility. There was always somebody to blame. Yeah. And that was when um, it changed was when there was nobody left to blame. Like the only person that I could blame was myself. Mm -hmm. And the only way to take that responsibility 
um, was to own my actions and change the direction of my life by, you know, taking, doing the work. I think we call that acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and acceptance for me, I think started with like, um, cause I, I work the refuge recovery program. Mm-hmm. I've been with refuge recovery since the <clears> beginning <throat> and they teach, you know, self-compassion, self-forgiveness. Um, but it's hard when you're carrying that much guilt and you're carrying that much shame and you got that, that much, um, unfinished business. And, yeah. um, but what I learned is that I could tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And through building up that tolerance with that like discomfort, with that guilt, with that yeah. shame, like I'm feeling this way, but it's okay. Like I'm feeling like this right now. By doing that, by learning to tolerate it, I learned to forgive myself. I yeah. learned to be compassionate towards myself and my actions and others. Um so it definitely started with tolerance. What, on in your going along your story, you went back to college, going through the program, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> you went on to pursue a master's degree. I did. Yep. So last school year, I completed a, uh, or in May, I completed a master's of social work at Appalachian State, which we won't tell anybody around here. Yeah, I was going to say, how does it, how does it feel? Okay, let's, let's back this story up a little bit. Here we are, um, Mr. Masters in Social Work at App State, rolling into the Arch Rivals campus to help co-facilitate, kind of, right? An educational program. I mean, recovery is everywhere, yeah. and uh, we, we've got to be, no matter who our rivals are, we've got to be supportive of recovery, and uh, we're all the same. You know, wh- whether we cheer for each other on the football field is one thing, <laughs> but we've got to cheer for each other when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. What was, um, <clears throat> what was, the, what was it like getting, um, getting that degree? Man, that was a different story. Now, I did feel out of place there. Uh-huh. Um, I walked in the first day, and there was so many 22, 25-year-old kids, I say, because I'm a lot older than that. I do it too, uh, every, every day. And here. so I'm like, I'm really intimidated. And these these folks really know their stuff too. You know, you can tell that this was the cream of the crop. And most of them graduated from App State's program, undergrad, and I'm coming in and I'm like, oh, Oh no, <laughs> this talk, is going to be talk crazy. about not feeling like it. Yeah. In. And so walking around that big campus, um, mm-hmm. with all these young folks, you know, around and it's a vibrant campus. It was tough in the beginning to feel like, okay, this is a place for me. But, um, a couple weeks in, I saw an email, um, some announcements. And so I was kind of looking for some stuff, you know, while I was on campus, I had some hours in between some classes and some time, that I was wanting to feel. So I was always kind of looking through the announcements of what's going on. And uh, I saw an email right at the bottom, uh, collegiate recovery interest meeting. And wow. I was like, yeah, that's me. Let's go. Had you, did you have any prior knowledge of collegiate recovery communities at that time? Or? I had been involved with APNC. Okay. So I had okay. gotten a little bit of knowledge because we have a staff member who mm-hmm. works uh, as a liaison to, to scholastic recovery. And so I'm, uh, I had gotten a little bit of knowledge 
then when the day I walked on campus, I Googled recovery support at App State and I got like nothing. Mm-hmm. It was the wellness and prevention center. And I'm like, I don't really need counseling right now. I just mean, need some support to maintain. You know, I need to find mm-hmm. my tribe. Yeah. Right. And so I didn't, didn't find that immediately on campus. Um, but when that email came up, I was like, yes, let's do it. Um, excuse me. I was the only student that showed up to that meeting and uh, and I think for a few months, that was kind of how it went. And uh, But I stayed with it. I did a couple research papers on collegiate recovery. I really kind of got this idea in my head that, okay, I'm going to be a part of the beginning of their program. And so I uh, worked with their staff that was there, the interns um, that were working on getting this thing up and running. And by the second semester, they had established some regular meetings. Students kind of came. It, you know, Fluctuous, waxed and waned, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and not a lot of students were were sticking with it. But it was definitely a support for people to kind of drop in and get whatever they needed for the moment. And uh, we were doing some stuff around campus to try to promote it. And uh, by the end of the year, I think I had done two group projects for classes and a, <laughs> and a project <laughs> on my own in another class and just mm-hmm. kind of related anything I could do that I could relate to that, to the collegiate recovery communities or research for that, then that's, that's where I went with it. And so, um, they're up and running, they're, they're going and they're moving in the right direction. They've been funded, uh, through the UNC system now to operate for at least a couple of years and they're working on sustainability. And, uh, they asked me to come back last week and talk to um, a group of leadership through the different departments uh, on campus to get some awareness out there as my experience as a person in recovery on campus. And uh, it was pretty, pretty honoring, pretty humbling. Um, because, yeah, I mean, like a little over eight years ago, I was riding around in my car uh, wondering where I was going to park for the night and getting up wondering, you know, what I was going to take to you know, feed my habit. And, and eight years later here, you know, I've, uh, graduated this program and they're asking me to come back and talk to them. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> um, that seems to be the biggest <clears throat> opportunity and the biggest challenge with many of these CRCs is the sustainability. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced it here, especially at a two year community college, because <clears throat> as quick as they come, they go, they're gone, yep. they're graduating, they're yep. moving on. Um, and we're trying to like work closer with Western mm-hmm. to kind of bridge that gap. So when they do move on, like that, we're like more of a funnel yep. to their CRC, but who's funneling ours? Like, yep. where are we, how do we continue that? Um, and how do we find the next leader? How do we find the next Steve Steen? Like, yep. you know, um, and that's been, so like a lot of the work, cause I'm, I'm doing my internship this semester with our CRC here. Oh, okay. And so a lot of like the work that I've been doing this semester has been more um, community engagement, mm-hmm. getting out and finding potential students, yep. finding people like who might be interested, people in recovery who might not think that they can walk through that door like we did. Mm-hmm. People who, who are still um, struggling to kind of like have that confidence that, hey, I can do this. Yep. Not only can I go back to college, <clears throat> I can have a family of support on campus and I can thrive and succeed and make good grades. Yeah. Um, going out and connecting with like Meridian and connecting with 
with some folks in Cherokee and like um, just bringing some awareness to what we're doing on campus. But it's hard. You know, one thing that I thought of um, is we need to set up some scholarships for students because why would a student come to any university? What would make that university more uh, desirable than another? Well, if you offer me a scholarship, then then Mm -hmm. I might get involved in that program. Some incentives sometimes, like we have some incentives to get in recovery, right? Yeah. Like we get, the, <laughs> we get mom off our back or we get the law off our back mm-hmm. or, you know, we get our kids back. We, you know, we get a job. You know, those are some nice incentives to get in recovery. Once I'm in recovery, why should I choose your school? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and that's kind of something I presented over at App State is mm-hmm. like we need some scholarship. We've talked about that at a <clears throat> organizational level mm-hmm. and we're still working on bringing it to like administration to see what we can do about funding. Like we've talked about just doing um, some fundraising on our own at the student level to, um, you know, it's it's affordable to go to community college, Mm -hmm. you know? So if we could come up with, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars that we raised on our own and offer our scholarship, to students that that's something that we've talked about because especially students uh earlier in their recovery that may not have a lot of income uh maybe non-traditional students that Mm -hmm. uh that that are on their own that don't have the parental support for their uh you know for their finances and then you have to answer that question on the financial aid application have you ever been convicted of possession Mm -hmm. and if you answer yes guess what you're out none you're done none um, there's the stigma part. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we have to find a workaround until we can get some laws yeah. that will support students in recovery in that financial aid area. We're going to have to, as individual institutions or as a state, find some ways to allow students to find the funding to yeah. go to school. That's a conversation that we have had with the administration <clears throat> regarding, um, regarding that specific mm-hmm. question and, and more like, um, students who had a history who like yep. yourself who had been in and out and who made because it's so rural here a lot of them started started college here yep. dropped out failed out had financial aid and never never came back and then caught charges down the road and so like the one thing that our administrative staff has offered you know their hands are kind of tied with obviously that yep. that specific question but one thing that they have offered uh, specifically is, well, they offer two things. The first is that they've offered to um, appeal any prior um, prior history of like dropping out and not returning. Oh, yeah. Meaning like if you're on financial aid probation, <clears throat> if you're uh, not allowed to receive financial aid because of your past history, you can appeal it. You, you can sit down in our dean of students office. <clears throat> with the appeals committee, which consists of three people, 100% confidential conversation with just those three individuals, you can do exactly what you did and tell them your story. You know, tell yeah. them what you're doing, tell them what your goals are, and nine times out of ten, they're going to approve you wow. to come back. That's huge. They've offered that. The second piece to it, um, in my well my personal experience and in networking in the community one of the one of the barriers that i have experienced in talking with folks is taxes mm-hmm. 
you're rolling hard <clears throat> three, four, five <clears throat> years, you might not have filed taxes. That's true. For for a number of years. I think mm-hmm. when I left my treatment center, after I filled out my application to come to SCC, I had to file four or five years yeah. of taxes. <laughs> yeah. And I got a check for like three grand, yeah. you know? Um, and so, and it's not just that, but it's the legwork, right? The, okay, I worked at, you know, Subway for six months. How do I find that W-2 yeah. from 2012, mm-hmm. you know? So again, we've brought that to the administration about uh, helping folks do basic tax prep. Yeah. Because it's like, well, how do I do this? Where do I start? And so again, they've offered to, um, through their accounting department on campus, they've offered free tax prep. Man, that's crazy. For that's and that, good. those are just the things that we've brought to the table this semester, um, really because. I've been in the community and I've been hearing these stories and I've been talking to folks on a regular basis. Like what is preventing you from coming back into school? Hmm. I just did it like two years ago. Yeah. Look where we're at now. Um, and those were, those were like the two things was, was the taxes and then like dropping out while you had financial aid and being, um, on like academic probation or whatever and not being able to get it. So they're telling <clears> you they're, they're trying, they're, they're really trying here. But how do we how do we spread that spread out? Spread that yeah. nationally. Yeah. You know, like there's so many um so many individuals like you you hear all this seventy five thousand overdoses and overdose deaths in twenty seventeen. And I really think, man, I'm I'm really thinking that within the next like two or three years, because of the work guys like yourself are doing and because of um the awareness and the conversations that we're having, there's going to be an influx of students and re- people in recovery oh, yeah. seeking, seeking an education. Mm-hmm. And we have to have these, these <clears throat> supports in place. They're going to need it, but there's going to just as many as there's 75,000 overdoses last year, there's going to be 75,000 students mm-hmm. in two or three years that are looking for a, a home, looking for that tribe that you described, yeah. looking for a, a place to, a place to call home. Um, Looking for mobili- mobility in life. You yeah. know, uh, people want to, I think generally people want to succeed. And, and we understand that uh, a college education is not a guarantee, but it certainly increases folks' uh, chances to be able to live a sustainable life um, and not have to struggle every day just to get by because if I'm if I'm a person in early recovery or or not even in recovery yet and I'm thinking do I want to struggle in recovery or struggle like getting high and numbing myself I'll take struggling getting high you know because at least I can numb the pain obvious you know but if I but if I can see uh that that things can get better if I can see that future uh then I think that I may be more apt to choose that future yeah when you graduated <clears throat> with your master's degree, yeah, what uh, what'd you do next? Did you immediately start working at Recovery Ventures? Yeah, you're, you were already still there, kind of. No, no, I had uh, I had been gone. I actually ended up coming back, and uh, I did an internship there for my BSW, finishing up that um, to do some counseling one on ones and stuff like that, and then. Uh, 
when I finished my master's degree, uh, I started work pretty much a couple weeks after they that. They hired you right away? Yeah. Yep. And um, what's the role? Um, which role? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, have a, we have a pretty small staff, and um, so all of us wear multiple hats. Okay. But primarily, I work uh, and do individuals and individual sessions um, and do assessments for newer guys. I work primarily with the men. Um, and then the men that are in the aftercare program or in the final phases or have graduated and are staying in our housing, I work with them very closely. What's the what's the program like? <clears throat> the two year program? Um probably depends on who you ask. <laughs> but for me it was uh it's a phased program. Mm -hmm. So it, it is really highly structured. Um there's five different phases spread out over two years. Um, the initial phase is a month and a half, two months, um, and individuals come in. There's a lot of kind of structure, and you don't have a lot of free time, and, you know, you're getting kind of used to being in this environment um, and kind of just learning the ropes. And then when you move through to the second phase, you get a few more freedoms. You start to pick up some responsibilities around the house because it's milieu therapy. So the community is the agent of change. And so being a part of a community, you know, like you and I go home, um, I have to wash dishes and cook meals and take care of the dogs and, you know, go out and pick stuff out of the garden or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, mow the grass. Those are responsibilities that the people in the program take care of as well after they come home from a day's work. Um, and then there's a leadership hierarchy within the community that is really important. So as folks move through the program, uh, they may, they may become peer leaders, um, peer mentors. And so they'll help newer guys in the program kind of get, get started, get on their feet, help them through some tough times. And the community generally rallies around each other. And then after a year, you really start to shift more into the aftercare. What's mm -hmm. next? start looking at what's next. And then uh, after 18 months, folks will go out and secure gainful employment of their own and move into transitional housing, start to go to, you know, more meetings in the community or whatnot and get involved in things like that. And uh, so hopefully by two years, you know, they've been able to learn some new habits, work those new habits, give back to some folks and do some service. And now have six months of kind of practicing that outside of our four walls. Yeah. And having been through that program yourself, you're probably yeah. able to kind of like navigate yeah. those waters and you're, I'm sure made some um, pretty solid relationships in the community where, you mm -hmm. know, like you can identify what's a good fit for certain individuals. Oh, yeah. What. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't, per se prescribe anybody to any particular yeah. uh, type of recovery, but we encourage them to seek whatever, uh, you know, or if they don't know, seek different modalities of recovery, whether it be different types of meetings or religious or church groups or whatnot. Um, we kind of encourage them to, to find something, you know, and, uh, and see how it works. Try it on. Yeah. As you've, um, <clears throat> kind of worked in the field for a number of years now and haven't graduated from um, from App State. How has your personal recovery evolved mm. since when you were at, um, in that program yourself? Like, 
Um, you know, in the busy times, um, I do have to say my personal recovery at times was, uh, it lacked, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm doing work full time and school full time and, uh, all during this time, uh, I had met and now married my wife. Um, and so life was happening. Right. And, uh, and so we're, you know, I took some time to where, I kind of I kind of slacked a little bit and mm-hmm. and I could feel it but the difference today is that when I did slack off and I felt it I, I was able to find some awareness and say you know what I need to tighten up and I need to get back into some some practices and uh, my recovery has a lot of different uh, outlets um, I found paintball as an outlet get some aggression out, um, play some team sport again. Uh, yeah. and, and it was really, inter- I saw that on uh, the little bio that you said, yeah. I was, I was interested in, in that. And so that's something that, you know, for a few years has been a big part of my recovery. And, uh, as I did the master's degree, I had to slack off on that a little bit, but I was able to get, you know, really involved in the CRC at app state. So it's kind of taken on different forms mm-hmm. depending on what setting that I'm in. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's still challenging, still challenging to find, you know, what feeds my soul. Uh, Cause I know that if I don't fill my cup up, I can't pour it out to anybody else. Yeah. I think it's, it's just so important to, um, to allow it to evolve and allow yeah. it to constantly change and challenge yourself and continue to grow uh, for the longest time. Um, I, I didn't, you know, I, yeah. but I, I was, <clears throat> I was active but I wasn't open to other tools, yeah. other perspectives. I had what worked. Mm-hmm. I held it tight. Mm-hmm. I held it close to me. But there's so much more out there. So much more that would um, foster growth. Sure. And allow me to like really become who I truly am. Um, but I was holding on to this thing for like the first two years. Like... I just was. Yeah. Um, we had this guest speaker in one of my classes. It was an advocacy class. Um, and I had, you know, I had really sparked this energy in, in becoming a vocal advocate for people in recovery um, because I don't think we have enough of those out in, in our community to, to really um, hit at every little corner, you know, the local, the state, the national level. I think we have a lot of fantastic people that are doing that work. But in order to really combat this stigma and change some policies, we're going to need more and more and more. And so I've been feeling this, right? And uh, this is just something that had bubbled up. And that's just how my recovery has evolved. It's it's gone from more of what can I get for me than to what can I get for this community of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And this guest speaker was just talking and she said, you know, what lights your fire will sustain you. And she's like, Oh, I'm gonna write that down for my next book. And I was like, yeah, you better, but I'm stealing it. Right? Cause, <laughs> Cause that's real, man. That's yeah. real. Um, and that's what lights my fire today is really working with and on behalf of those of us who fight this fight every day, you know, where are the, the opportunities for mm-hmm. advocacy work? Like where, what is the, is it criminal justice? Sure. Is it recovery resources? Is it access to care? Like what? 
That's a yes and. Yes uh, and. Yes not and, not yeah, either yeah. or. Um, yeah. All of the above. Uh-huh. And like, where do we start? I guess is what I was. Whatever's closest to you. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it started um, calling my representatives, like setting up an appointment. I had I had a representative in my local area that works in the NC State Legislature, who took my call, had coffee with me. We had a great conversation for an hour, and I told him about me and being a professional and a person in recovery and what it meant to me, and um, and he listened, and I believe he listened and, and and took it in. I'm not sure what he's done with it. Um, but at least, you know, I was able to have that conversation. There were other representatives that didn't respond. You didn't get a call back. Didn't get a call back. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, those are some things that I, I, I was able to start doing um, and and getting involved in organizations or on a local or a regional level that, that just do this stuff. Um, I don't know how to do it on my own. But there's some people already doing it that can kind of help me get in. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm just going to follow the way until I find out where to go. Yeah. And if, if that gentleman gets, you know, <clears throat> 20, 30, 40, 50, Jeff's calling him up for coffee. Yeah. He's going to he's going to start implementing some changes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we just, you know, the best thing I can do is recover. Mm-hmm. And and when I recover, then I do a little part and changing that stigma. And then if, you know, my heart fires up for doing more and doing advocacy work, then that's what I need to do. And uh, so any chance somebody will listen to me, I'll tell them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you, Morganton is where you live? Yes. Is, is that, like, where is that? Uh, east from here. Um, you get out to I-40 and head east. It is... Go through Asheville, through oh. Marion, and Morganton is between Marion and Hickory. Okay, um, is it as <clears throat> is it fairly rural like we are here? Yeah, Morganton itself is a small little city, um, not not very big, mm-hmm. uh, but does have some downtown and some business downtown, and the rest of the county is very rural. Yeah. So, do you think that like there's <clears throat> opportunities there just for like we talk about access to care and like just general needs like transportation housing mm-hmm. things like that for people in recovery or is it the same kind of challenges that we see here i guess is similar challenges but in morganton they have started a public transit recently mm-hmm. which is awesome um some regular bus routes um they have some housing that may be appropriate uh for people in recovery but i'm not sure as far as like uh sober living houses there's only a couple little programs down there that house very few people so Mm -hmm. they need more of that Mm -hmm. we need more of that everywhere um but yeah there's a a group of folks called the burke substance abuse network that meet and i've just recently connected with someone to try to start meeting with them um i hear they're doing awesome work down there and uh, so now that i'm living in that community i want to be a part of that and and see what that's about i mean where we live right here like um everything's so spread out as far as like the resources Mm -hmm. even like county to county like if you get um a DUI over in Cherokee, you're going to like Franklin or you're going to Waynesville or you're coming yeah. here in Jackson County to, you know, do your counseling classes to get your license back. Well, how do you expect somebody to do that? You know, it's like little things like that. That's just everything's so spread out, but our population is also so, so low that I don't know if 
the answer is to put programs in each community because it's such a rural community. I don't yeah. know if it would be sustainable like long term. So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, it's tough. Um, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, I think we, we can do as much as we can. Um, I think sustainability is, is something that we got to look at. Um, in a rural setting, it's difficult because, yeah, if you just got a DUI and you lost your license, now you've got to drive 45 minutes to the closest counseling place that does yeah. DUI classes, yeah, and that's that, going to be difficult. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster, yeah, man. Yeah. When did you get married? Got married two years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been a fantastic journey. My wife is, she's not in recovery, um, but she is my biggest ally. Yeah. Um, meeting her dating in recovery like yeah i just being somebody who was open from the beginning yeah, and said this but is just who like i am being somebody who <clears throat> has always felt like an outsider kind of like was there did you find that part of it challenging did you really i have found nothing about being in a relationship with my wife to be okay. challenging right. and 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 maybe we'll have you know those types of challenges mm -hmm. at some point but I think from the beginning we were both very authentic and real and um, and open to one another, and that has made the biggest difference. Um, by far the most healthy relationship I've ever had, <laughs> and uh, and I think that was a product of being in recovery and being in a good place in my recovery, and uh, and she helps me to stay there. Living by those values that yeah, you set for yourself, absolutely. And holding up to that, Father. Yes, I have a daughter who is now 21, okay. and uh, unlike what I thought might happen, uh, as a, I thought I might get paid back for all my crap that I put my parents through, <laughs> I did not. She's she's been a fantastic, uh, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better person uh, to okay. be around. Uh, she inspires me way more than I probably inspire her. She college student. She is, um, yeah. and, and she's still trying to kind of find her own path mm -hmm. as far as, you know, her, the degree and getting through school, and she's kind of changed her mind a few times, um, which is natural. I mean, when I was 21, I, I had no idea where I was going. Um, but, yeah, she's making way better decisions at 21 <laughs> than I did, so that's fantastic. Um, w She's older, so she was, yeah. you know, a young adult when you kind of started a lot of the changes yeah. in your life. She was 13 when mm -hmm. I got in recovery this time. And I remember, um, I remember her not wanting to talk to me right before that. And that was, that, that, that hurt me to the core. Um, I always thought that that would be there and you know, when I saw what I had done, how it had really affected, I think that that was eye opening and um, and I didn't ever want to go back there. And so today our relationship's really open and honest and uh, and I'm able to, you know, we're 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 not only father and daughter, we you know, we're friends. Um, we can talk to each other about things and um, and I feel safe with her and I think she feels safe with me. You know, so that's a, that's a blessing of recovery because I don't think I would have that today if I didn't have recovery. Yeah. Um, you still, <clears throat> are you still active in the 12-step community? 
Not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I still I still attend some twelve step meetings, um, but I am currently kind of searching for their for a transition. Um, it's difficult being a professional in the field and being involved in twelve step meetings on a local basis. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of in a transition phase mm-hmm. in that myself. Um, I kind of used that CRC last last school year to really uh, feed my recovery, and um, and this year is is going to be a year of change and growth again, and yeah. some new environments and new settings. So. Well, you mentioned, I think, somewhere evolving your spirituality. And yeah, kind of opening to maybe some new perspectives or mm-hmm. investigating. Yeah, I think I think, you know, spiritually speaking, um I'm a person of faith. Mm-hmm. Um and my faith has evolved. Uh and my openness to the value of other faiths has evolved and so um and other perspectives. And so I really uh enjoy learning about someone else's journey into into spirituality and 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 how that helps them because you know I, as a person in recovery I think anything that can help me is going to yeah. be good so yeah. uh you know I try to be very open minded about um about my experience and about other people's experiences yeah very important um again like same thing I did the same I was very very fixed, <clears throat> fixed on my views and just being around people like Caleb, being around people like Richie and kind of like um, understanding what, what their faith has brought yeah. to them in their life yeah, um, has really opened me up to other perspectives and allowed me to have conversations that I wouldn't have had yeah. a while, years ago, a couple years ago. And, um, Though I still practice what works for me, I really try to, um, I try to like, you know, investigate what, 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 what are you guys doing? I want some of that. Let me get some of that. You know, like that's working here. This, this is working for me. Let me give you, give you a little bit of this and kind of like share these, share these practices and share these beliefs and, um, kind of not try to control it so much and just kind of allow it to like allow myself to investigate what, what is going on, what's happening. How can I apply this Mm -hmm. to my life? I think that's something that has allowed me to kind of, when I investigate other things with an open mind, then it, I let my heart do the pointing rather than Mm -hmm. my head. And so that's been a, that's been the biggest shift is like, I could be a uh, a book um, quoter, <laughs> whether it be recovery yeah. books or spiritual books or this, and I, I was always able to do that because mm-hmm. that was simple to me. That was easy, and that a lot of times for me was expressed solely through my mind and not as much through my heart. And um, today I think like learning how to express my faith through my heart, how I express it. Because you know that's that's personal to me, and so that's been a big thing. Um, it's been freeing to not be kind of caught in the the semantics of faith, rather and and actually be experiencing faith. Yeah, big yeah. difference. Yeah, big, big difference. difference in the two. Um, 
family <clears throat> man, right? Yeah. Husband, father, graduate. Um, what does Jeff do for fun? Like, how do you? Um, I found gardening the last few years. So I grow vegetables. Um, the gardening, we had a little apartment in Mars Hill when I was up there, and uh, the landlord let me put a little 10-foot by 10-foot garden in one summer, and I grew a few tomatoes and like a couple squash plants mm -hmm. or something. And, uh, you know, the tomatoes did really well, not because I took care of them, just because <laughs> they do well. I was really lucky. <laughs> and uh, But I learned a lot of stuff, and I really enjoyed going out there. Man, I, I spent as much time in that 10 by 10 garden as I do in my giant garden now, like every day, because that was just that thing that soothed me, that helped me to get away from the world and focus and center and, and nurture something else and uh, not have to talk to it. And that was important to me. And, uh, you know, I could just be there in that environment. And, and that's been a huge part of my recovery. That's a huge part of not just my recovery. It's a huge part of my wellness. You just know. living. Yeah, just mm -hmm. living, man. And, uh, and, and I've, you know, paintball was, uh, you know, for a few years, a really, really big part. What, is that, what does that look like? Like, what, do you, what exactly oh, are you doing? You go hitting the <clears> courses <throat> with, like, your buddies? You're on a team? Like, what? Yeah, so... So this past year, I took a year off um, of competitive paintball, but for the past four years or five years before that, I was, you know, I had found paintball, and the first day I went out, I was like, I'm hooked. This is it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was out on the course with a lot of players that were kind of weekend warrior, just rec players, and, you know, d dipping in and out of the woods and all that good stuff, and that was fun. But then I found um, a style of paintball called airball, or they call it speedball, which in our yeah. <laughs> world is a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit different. Um, and it's uh, it's more of a team sport that is regulated, has rules. Um, it's on a smaller field with uh, kind of blow-up air bunkers, and they're mirrored on each side, and uh, it's like three-on-three three or five-on-five, five, and you start, like, and it's timed, and it's fast, and paintballs are coming out of the guns at like 10 balls per second, you know, so it's really flying. It's a lot of adrenaline and nobody's going to get killed and it's really safe. And so, um, but learning that teamwork, learning, learning those skills again, it took me back to high school when I was playing ball and, uh, and, and I was, you know, in a better place in my life. And it just helped me to be back in that place for that period of time. And I could forget the world. Right. And I was just there with me and my teammates and, uh, and be normal, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, that was a that was a huge experience, and then being able to travel around to tournaments and play and uh, and have some success and have some failures, but do it together and have fun. And it was uh, it's it's it was a great experience, and I look forward to hopefully next year getting back into more competitive playing. Yeah, that sounds like a ton of fun. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, you know, we've taken uh, we've taken some of our clients. To, okay. to play paintball recently, and so that was uh, that was a really fun experience to uh, to see some guys try something that they haven't done mm -hmm. in recovery, and uh, yeah, that and I think it fits recovery too because we like adrenaline, we yeah. like that excitement, and uh, and it feeds that part of us mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Yeah, a healthy way, and like you said, like the teamwork, the camaraderie, yep. like the competitiveness that yeah. we all have, yeah, like yeah, it absolutely. covers all of those bases. And at the end of the day, you know we. 
you know, we haven't stolen anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And nobody's chasing <laughs> us and all that good stuff. We so, yeah. Make it home safe. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what is next mm. for Jeff? I often wonder what's next. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time uh, on my commutes to work and back, kind of what's the next step. I mean, I'm pretty pretty happy with uh, where I am career-wise and, and working with you know the community that I work with and the program that I work with. Personally and beyond that in my recovery, I think really finding a way to be more of an advocate um, to, to try to reach folks that need to be reached, the decision makers that mm-hmm. make decisions on our behalf, often without our voice being heard. I think um, that is something, the social justice part of it, the criminal justice part of it, you know, being able to help students get financial aid, being able to help folks that have been incarcerated get housing, get jobs without that stuff being held mm-hmm. against them, you know, and that's a, uh, I don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that's going to come together, but um, that's where I want to be. I want to be in the middle of that. Yeah. So many of those issues are on like a federal scale. Mm-hmm. That's like, it's like where do you start? I think we start and, on the local level. Yeah. You know? And just push it. Like what uh, here in Waynesville. You know, the lead program, the lead program mm-hmm. uh, down in Nashville, the Hope Initiative. Those mm-hmm. are some local programs that kind of defy the federal, you know, yeah. system type yeah. uh, approach that are working. <laughs> and so, yeah. trying they have, they have to, the data yeah, to justify yeah, it, build more of that stuff, mm-hmm. and be be on the on you know on that team mm-hmm. moving forward. Well, I work like a. I ask that because I I work like a little part time job at. Um, <clears throat> local department store and I've always worked retail Mm -hmm. um, my entire life and that was I did that because it that's where I learned like those social skills that were missing in my real Mm -hmm. life because I had to talk to customers I had to build relationships with them I had to earn their trust had to earn the trust of my employees who worked for me you know so I kind of like developed those skills in the retail world um, and so like I have like a managerial type position over there, but part time. And, you know, one of the things that I've been trying to do is like we're always hiring. We're always mm-hmm. hiring like seasonal, especially right now. It's Christmas. Like we just hired like eight or ten new associates. And so like I've been talking that up with people who I, people that I know who are looking for jobs and um, young kid. Here we go. Kid again. Yeah. Young kid. Yeah. Um, you know, that I've been working with here on campus, involved in our collegiate recovery programs, looking for a job, <clears throat> get them an interview, completely honest, upfront with them, talk with, with our manager, talking about his recovery, talking about the things that he's doing, talking about his goals and his career. And she's completely like on board with hiring folks in recovery. However, it's a national corporation. So we go through the hiring process, love the dude, send off the background check in corporate. Says no. Says no. Yeah. It's like, what do we do? You know, we got awesome candidate right here. Like we've been, we, we struggled to find folks because it's low wage, low pay. Like it's not, not a career. It's not a livable wage. 
right? So it's difficult to find people. We got a prime candidate right here, and our hands are tied, yeah, completely tied. You know, um, I don't know what to do. We're gonna work that. our way up that system, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and we've got to prove it wrong, right? Mm-hmm. We've got to prove the stigma wrong. Mm-hmm. And individually, I think that's part of our responsibility. Not everybody needs to go talk to their legislature. That, mm-hmm. Like that might not be what everybody's pull on their heart is, but I think as individuals in recovery, I have a responsibility to prove the dadgum stigma wrong. Yeah. Like every day, I'm going to live something different than what the world thinks about me. Mm-hmm. Because what I know about stereotypes is they're not all true. What I know about rarely stig- are they true. Rarely are they true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to, to generalize an entire population for any characteristic that you mm-hmm. see as common is ludicrous. So for us to prove those stereotypes wrong is going to be huge because on an individual basis, on a local basis, as we're interacting in our local retail store Mm -hmm. or our local college or in our legislation or we're getting elected to town council or whatever, you know, that's showing that recovery works and people do change. And so we, I mean, I think that it's, it's a very micro issue mm-hmm. and a very macro issue at the same time. And where I fit into that, I have no idea. But, you know, like doing this, like saying yes to things like this is a huge part of me yeah. fulfilling my responsibility. I think a part of that responsibility mm-hmm. needs to, <clears throat> we need to step outside of our circles. Yeah. Because we have, I have these conversations all the time with my tribe, with my crew, with my people, guess what? We're preaching to the choir. We're preaching to the <laughs> choir, you know? I got to I got to get a hold of my congressman. Yeah. I d- and I do have I mean I do have these conversations. I talk to my customers at work mm-hmm. about it. I I hand them a business card that, about the podcast. And 9 times out of 10 when I do that, it's it's like um it's a department store. The average, the typical demographic of our customer <clears throat> base is female, 55 to 70. It's an older, mm-hmm. you know, local crowd. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I'm a person of long-term recovery. This is what I do. I'm in school studying human services and substance abuse treatment. And I have this podcast. And I'll give them the information and share it with them. And like nine times out of ten, they're like, oh, you know, my nephew yep. da, 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 and it starts a conversation my son my grandson my, my grandson yeah, my nephew my daughter, my, mm-hmm. yeah, that's and and we hear that all the time but it's like more of us collectively having those conversations yeah. outside of these these people that we know and yeah. more in the community um well in this human interaction thing mm-hmm. helps us to change our mind a bit Mm-hmm. And so when when they put a face to it, when my face is there and they look at me and I and, and then I say I'm a person in long term recovery, they've already made the first impression mm-hmm. judgment of me. And, and and most of the time people tell me I have a trusting face. Yeah. Well, one time <laughs> that was uh, it worked in in my favor in not so good a way. So today uh-huh. I hope it can work in my favor to help me promote that recovery is real. It works. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you know what? Yeah, I don't look like I used to. I don't look like that person that that used to do the things that I do. I did. Um, I'm a new person, mm-hmm. and recovery has made that possible. And it's not because I do anything special. I'm not a superhero. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, think that that uh, that I've done anything that the other 23 million or so people in in America that are in recovery do. I just want to, you know. If we have this personal relationship with somebody that's not in our tribe or not in our choir, then 
then we can change the mm-hmm. image. Yeah. Um, I think <clears throat> kind of connecting ourselves and attaching ourselves with organizations that do support it, like yeah. the way that they have here at SCC, um, in finding out where the opportunities are within these organizations. Um, because of like, and I don't even know how this happened, but because of the work that we've been doing the last like semester, I was approached um, in October to be interviewed, if I was interested to be interviewed for the student representative on the board of trustees Mm -hmm. on campus, right? And I went through the interview process of myself and another student interviewed with the president of the school. It's an, it's, it's more of a student, um, student, uh, information type position. Like, you don't, yeah. we don't get a vote. Yeah. <laughs> like you get to sit in on all the meetings and kind of share your perspective. They want a student's point of view on issues that they're voting on and discussing, but you don't get an actual vote, but you get to share these things. Um, and I got the position. That's awesome. And so, like, they they kind of approached me because of stuff like this, and yeah. because of the work that we're doing on campus. Um, they want they saw <laughs> that like I was doing what you said and taking that like leadership type role, and like, hey, we're gonna do this here, right? Like, we are going to support yeah. recovery. We're going to support mental health. We're gonna support our students. Yeah. In how whatever walk of life they're at, we're gonna support them. So now I have an opportunity to go in front of the board. Like next week's our first meeting. That's awesome. And like talk about these things and like have these conversations and talk about the things that we're doing. And like, you know, they're getting ready to break ground on a new health sciences building. So what do you think I'm going to be advocating for over there? Man, this yes. and, a, and a safe space <laughs> uh-huh. on campus space that is dedicated our, yep. for CRC. You got it, bro. Yeah, you got it. Stuff like that. Um, opportunities <clears throat> that never would have come to me yeah. had I not used my voice to tell those stories, to talk to the, you know, every single day I see the dean of students, I see the president of the school, I say hi, I let yeah. them know what I'm doing because they're interested in what's going on. They yeah. want students to talk to them, you know? I tell them what I'm doing. I'm telling them, like the, the president was sat downstairs Wednesday for like 45 minutes with myself and another student from the CRC and it was just like, shooting the shit, hanging out. And we were talking about, he was like asking us about the meditation group and he was like interested in coming and participating and stuff like that. And he's like, he has interest in the work that we're doing. So like attaching ourselves into these organizations that are interested in helping in the Mm -hmm. ways that they can and then seeing what resources are available and they don't all have to be recovery organizations. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they need to be, we need to have a diverse group of folks that mm-hmm. are allies of recovery. I think that's that's huge. Um, yeah. Man, that you got the president wanting to come to the meditation yeah. group. That's yeah. amazing. And he, and there's like, we've had, me and him have had private conversations because <clears> he's like, you know, I don't know. He wants to come to yep. see it. Um, but he he doesn't know what, type of influence that would have on like the other participants and what his role is if it would be like a good fit or if like we like talked about like hey guys next wednesday i just want you to know that yeah you know 
is going to be in attendance. We do have faculty. Faculty does participate. That's awesome. In in a few of <clears> our <throat> support groups, like we have not closed the, closed it off to students. Um, we do have regular. We do have faculty members who attend regularly. That is amazing. But, again, just like turnover. We keep circling back and to that. And what we know one. is that students in recovery do well. Like, there's not a huge database that, that of, of collegiate recovery programs, mm-hmm. like, as a whole. They're starting to do that. Um, there, there is some data beginning to be on a bigger scale. But <clears throat> on local or individual school research, some of these programs that have been around a while are showing – Increased graduation rates, increased GPAs, higher mm. than normal, higher than your average mm. student. So these students that people had written off four or five years ago because they were in their addiction, now they're in recovery and they're outperforming their peers. They're your most successful like, students. It's amazing. So mm-hmm. why not support that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Got any interest in uh, politics, man? Putting your name in the hat? <sighs> You know, I've had several people over the past year ask me that, and uh, the short answer is I don't know. Um, it's complicated. Uh-huh. Uh, just do exactly what you just said. Yeah. And start at the local level. And I think locally it might be something that I would want to pursue. Um, mm-hmm. It's also something that I have to weigh the cost of family. Um, time. And on that, yeah, time and, uh, and the energy that would be necessary. So I don't know. Um, I want to be involved politically for advocacy. I'm not sure that I want a um, a career as a lawmaker. Uh, that, that sounds, a, <laughs> that sounds, sounds like, like a politician. <laughs> yeah, like, so, <laughs> sounds like too big of a sacrifice. Uh-huh. Uh, it sounds like, um, yeah. Yeah, and there's also the stigma, you know. Yeah. That that that, it, that that does attach some fear to that. Like mm-hmm. when I'm exposed to the entire community, how are they going to react to yeah. that? Even though it's the thing that I want to fight the most. Yeah, and just in this past election cycle, we've seen yeah. a, a wave of change. Yeah, we've seen females getting elected across the country, mm-hmm. Muslims, homosexuals, like way more diverse, very like, more diverse. It, it was, uh, I think somebody said it was a rainbow wave rather yeah. than a blue wave. And, yeah. and that's huge, man. We, we need representation from every group, every walk of life, no matter what your political leanings are. We need, we need to hear different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm good with disagreement. I'm good with open debate. What I'm not good with is not including everybody in that discussion. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge part of like why I do this podcast because um, I used to not be good with debate. Yeah. Right. I used to not even want to have those conversations, and now I come to it with a sense of curiosity. Like I want to know why you think the way that you do. I want to mm-hmm. know why you look at the world the way that yeah. you do. Where can we meet in the middle? Is there something that I'm missing? Yeah. Like I want to like come to it with a learning um, from a point of view of like a learning opportunity, Mm -hmm. whether I in the end of the day agree with you or not. There's something that I can learn from that conversation. Sure. I think there's something we can learn from everybody. I can learn a lot from you. You can Mm -hmm. learn a lot from me, whether we're on the same side of the spectrum or not. Um, and, and, And I think there's a 
I don't think we have to, we have this polarized system right now rather than a spectrum system mm -hmm. of politics. And uh, I like to think that most of us live somewhere other than the polls. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think there's definitely that room for that compromise, that room for, uh, for teaching each other rather than fighting each other. Awesome, man. I'm going to let you run. Awesome. It's getting to be about time. It's 11.30. Wow, this is going by really quick. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Jeff's going over to Western Carolina University to help facilitate, facilitate. <laughs> a... Well, so what's, what, like, what, are they, what kind of things do they talk about? What, so, what are you guys going to be... So this training is going to be um, a bit about tobacco prevention, and uh, we also have a guest speaker coming in, um, Brian Coons from Pavilion. Brian Coons? Yeah. Oh, man, did you tell him that you were coming here today? I did not. Oh, me and him had been had a, had a conversation, like, as soon as we did the summit last oh, week. Oh, wow, yeah. We've been, we had a conversation back and forth about getting him on the podcast, and also I just wanted to like pick his brain a little bit. I just met him last week Did you? for the first time, and, uh, oh, and man. but I've heard a lot of great things, yeah. and so he's going to talk about how they implemented a, uh, a no-smoking policy, a smoking cessation policy there in mm -hmm. their growing pains in their treatment center. Okay. And kind of, you know, we're going to... I, I I don't know everything that the presenters are going to present, mm -hmm. but uh, you know these are some folks that are experts in their area. Dang and they're gonna, man, they're going to give us some. Good I should I should have taken the day off from work. Yeah. I I got to like literally leave here and go over to to the store. It's our busiest week of the year because yeah. Black Friday is on Friday. Yep. And so, um, Black Friday is on Friday. However, in the this day and age in the retail world, your Black Friday sale starts way early. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And to the point where, like, we're open on <clears throat> Thanksgiving. Mm. I'm working 1 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Thanksgiving. But I think, like, the big Black Friday sale starts officially, like, Tuesday or Monday. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're doing stuff, like, every weekend they're doing stuff. So it's just ma it's just pure madness over there. Like, the customers are buying into it, and it's just very time-consuming. Looking forward to the day where yeah. I no longer have to have to go back to that. It's like my comfort zone. Yeah. Cuz I I did it for so long <clears throat> and I'm 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 good at it. And so like it's the even though I do I do like I don't financially like I don't have to ha have a large amount of income to survive like mm -hmm. my house is paid for. I just really have like basic simple bills. Yeah. Um but it's just something that I'm kind of like holding on to. It's like my comfort zone, my safety net. Like if all this doesn't work out, you know, I could always fall back on that. It's, but it's like you said, like that um, awareness, like I'm clearly aware of it. Yeah. And over the last year, I've like slowly began to let go of it uh, a little bit, a little bit to the point where I only work like two days a week. And, you know, risk, taking these risks yeah. is, uh, they are risky, but mm -hmm. they're also super rewarding. Yeah. I mean, this is what I'm passionate about, yeah. this right here. The, doing this podcast, doing as many podcasts as we can, <clears> giving the, just have as many conversations, meeting people like you. We just happen to be recording yeah. it. Um, you know, we haven't made a penny off of it yeah. in eight months, so, and it's a lot of, like, hours, but I'm willing to put in the time. You yeah. know, all my effort goes into this to the point where, like, I'm, like, probably should be spending more time on my schoolwork <laughs> <laughs> than I actually am. Um, what lights our fire sustains yeah, us. You right? know it, brother. You know yeah. it. So, Jeff, you are a badass. 
I appreciate you coming over Same and hanging with us. Got any closing words or anything? Um, How can people find you if they want to hit you up? Instagram? So I, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook? Um, okay. Yep. Jeff Hunsucker. Uh, you'll, you'll probably find me there. And um, if people do want to hit me up or ask some questions, um, I'm always open to uh, to some good conversation. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm open to meeting new people and new experiences. So let's take this thing and and spread the word. Awesome, man. I look forward to taking it and spreading the word with you. Yeah, absolutely. Love to have you back again, too. Maybe Thank like you. we'll connect sometime Sure. in the very near future. Thank you guys for listening to NC Raw, North Carolina Recovery Always. want to give a shout-out to today's musical contributor, Rival, whose work can be found by searching Rival727 on YouTube, SoundCloud, and Facebook. Visit our website at www.ncraw.life to subscribe to the website, to subscribe to the podcast and receive it delivered directly to your inbox every time we post an episode. We send them out to subscribers 12 to 24 hours before the general public has access to it. So thank you guys for tuning in.